0: And I'm Aaron McMahon. Today, we'll be discussing recruiting a lot in regards to Michigan football and a little about Michigan men's basketball, plus a couple other topics on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. The, hey, the ping pong balls uh, fell in the uh, Detroit Pistons' favor. Do they still use those? Is that still a thing? I didn't actually watch the show. Is that that's not been a thing, maybe anymore?
2: They didn't show the ping pongs live. They just had, like, uh, the guy would show. The, whatever the order was but they didn't have any sort of ping pong balls it was just so flipping most, over like boards yeah. alright gotcha well, yeah, I've never
1: been a big fan of the draft but like the ping pong balls were what like made it interesting or fun you know right so I feel like I was watching like the 7 o'clock you know <laughs> Sunday lottery you know poll or, or, right, right.
0: Or, Oh, man. all right, well, yeah, we'll see. Probably Cade Cunningham's your guy, I'd say, Pistons fans. But this is the Wolverine Confidential podcast, so that's what we're going to be focusing on. Ryan, last episode, you were talking about the long commitment drought for the Michigan football program. It had been a while since a player, yeah, had had pledged his his commitment to the Wolverines. Did that drought end since we last spoke?
2: Yes, it did. With with two commitments on Saturday, I wouldn't say any headliners, but I mean, you still got to start filling out this class. And they were able to do that by landing a couple prospects in the 2022 class. Uh, The first one was CJ Stokes, a three-star running back from South Carolina, ranked number 705 overall in the class, the number 59 running back. And To me, it was a little bit of a surprise because all three crystal ball predictions were in favor of his home state, South Carolina Gamecocks. So it looks like Michigan was able to kind of lure him in with a a strong visit. And a couple hours after that, they landed an in-state prospect in Aaron Alexander, a linebacker from Belleville, who actually wasn't ranked in the 24-7 sports composite on Saturday, but I just looked again now, and, and he does have a composite ranking, the number 1,220 overall player in the class, and he's listed as an athlete. But I think he'll transition to – or he'll be a linebacker in Ann Arbor. So it's not two guys that won't move the needle much in in the rankings, but they're they're up to nine commitments now. Class ranks number 20 nationally and number five in the Big Ten which isn't great, but, I mean, their, their average prospect ratings number four behind Ohio State, Penn State, and surprising Indiana. So um, still a lot of work to do in this class, but it looks like after this big weekend of visits that there's a few more crystal ball predictions for, for a few more guys as well.
1: I think it moved the Neil back, actually. Weren't they, like, 16 or 17 last week, right, national ranking?
2: No, they were, like, 24, 25, oh, so they did move oh, up. Okay. Yeah. You can't move down when you add (laughs) prospect. Oh, unless there is several other schools that land a lot of commitments too. But no, they they did move up. Not much, but in the top 20 now.
0: Obviously with recruiting, oftentimes you just bring a kid on campus, you know, one kid at a time and you show them around and he's your focus. And other times you kind of just throw a big party and have a a bunch at the same time and try to, you know, have a a major recruiting event, you know, and, and get a bunch of commitments all at once. Ryan you learned a little bit about what this past weekend I guess looked like at the football facilities and you know kind of what this yeah recruiting event what it entailed
2: yeah, I was surprised with, with how much went on in such a short period of time. I spoke with Connor Jones, a three-star offensive tackle commit from from Colorado, and he's like, yeah, he got there, uh, went straight to the Brown Jug to have lunch and, and meet a lot of the other guys, and then they went paintballing and then went out on, on Friday night with their host and, and were showed around the town, and the next day they went bowling, had lunch, and then went to uh, Jim Harbaugh, hosted a pool party at his house, his brother John Harbaugh was there, so bringing in it's a little NFL flavor to the recruiting weekend. They had dinner at, at the big house on Saturday, and, and the host took them out for a few more spots on the town on, on Saturday, uh, mixed in with with meetings with their position coaches, strength and, and nutrition staff, and then uh, had the flight back to Colorado. So it seems like there was a it was a busy weekend, and and Michigan kind of rolled out the red carpet for this uh, big recruiting weekend as we kind of detail last week, there was a lot of top targets and, and a lot of their commits that were on campus.
0: I actually ate a couple of weeks ago at the Brown jug as well. I noted, I don't know if this was always the case. I don't maybe, maybe it was, but they had a, uh, their menu they have, you know, after different, you know, coaches on campus, um, their item, you know, named after them, uh, Harbaugh's was uh, was the eight ounce uh, sirloin steak. I mean, the fact that it's steak makes sense, but eight ounces, I don't think uh, Harbaugh <laughs> would, would approve of that. I mean, I also, I also noticed it was, they misspelled Phil Martelli's name. It was Phil Mantelli. It was, it was fish and chips. I, I sent a picture to him and he, he said he had no idea about this. And that like he, so it's not like he, that's what he orders or that's his favorite dish. They just kind of, I guess. Decided what they were going to go with for, oh, for some of these, some of these coaches. Yeah, I, but.
2: I know the, the owner of the Brown Jug, Perry Pericos has, I mean, his, his son played on on the Michigan hockey team, mm-hmm. and I know they kind of a, have a really good relationship with the Harbaugh family. So yeah, the Brown Jug is kind of a institutional spot for recruits on visits. That's kind of their, their go-to spot there when they first get campus so and not a big surprise.
1: Perry's a big donor to the athletic department they tend to bring recruits and and their families through there so if you ever want to spot a recruit that's probably a good place to check out they tend to take them there all the time there and you know blue lap and study hall and all those places so.
0: All right, so yeah, very nice. Would you say? I mean, so overall, I mean, success, uh, failure, just eh, kind of eh. Let's let's see. What yeah, goes I mean, I here. mean,
2: getting two commitments is big, and I I think the the bigger news is some of the guys that they're now trending for on, on the crystal ball. I mean, I think they're arguably they the biggest defensive target in the in the class. Realistic, I mean, obviously Walter Nolan the five-star defensive tackle, number two overall recruit would be a, a dream. And it sounds like his dad talked to some of the recruiting services and, and said they enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed their time. But uh, another guy, four-star defensive end, Justice Finkley, number 129 overall in the class. I mean, he's a, uh, an athletic player that can play on the edge and and uh, real versatile, which, which Michigan needs along the defensive line now under Mike McDonald's new defense. He has two crystal balls in favor of Michigan now. Another edge rusher and four star Mario Eugenio from Florida, number 285 in the class. He has four crystal balls and announced that he's making his commitment July 5th. So Michigan should find out how they how they stand pretty quickly with him. Uh five crystal balls for Texas three-star wide receiver Dylan Bell, six for Connecticut offensive tackle Alessandro Lorenzetti. Pretty awesome name there. Although he's not ranked in, in the composite ranking. So and then finally, uh, Deion Walker, I was able to speak with him yesterday, too. He has four predictions to land at Michigan in the Crystal Balls, but he's in no rush to make a, make a decision. He's still got some visits lined up, and he will be announcing his top five in July. But Michigan has doing pretty well for him at this point. All right, you got any more uh, football recruiting?
0: Because we we do have a basketball commit as well.
2: Final week weekend for that they recruits can visit here is, is this weekend so they'll have a few more on campus. They actually had had a, a few prospects take their midweek officials too this week. So yeah, it's uh, it's wrapping up a, a very busy busy month for for prospects and coaches in in college football.
1: I've actually got one. It's sort of recruiting. I, I spoke to Dalen Baldwin, the graduate transfer uh, receiver, the other day. He's the one from Jackson State. I haven't mm-hmm. wrote anything yet, so I'm not going to give the whole story away here on the podcast. But I spoke to him at length, probably 10-15 minutes uh, the other day, and he had some interesting things he told me. Interestingly enough, as we I think we talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, he's he's from the Detroit area, uh, but he grew up an Ohio State fan. So it was I thought it was pretty fascinating. He told me that he said growing up most of his teammates and friends were Michigan, Michigan State fans. Well, he was Ohio State. He decided to come to Michigan. In fact, you know, it sounds like Josh Gass and Ron Bellamy, they were recruiting him. They called him up as he was leaving uh, his work out Ohio State a few weeks back. So kind of fascinating story. I'll be writing more about it here probably within the next couple of days. It'll be on MLive.com. But yeah, he's the graduate transfer receiver coming in. He's got two years eligibility. Uh, he's looking forward to playing. And it's, it's actually quite an interesting story because you know, he felt like he was under recruited coming out of high school. He felt like he was, you know, he was kind of a late bloomer. He called himself, but he's he's ready to go. So it's it should be an interesting fall with with him on the roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are those are questions we had last week about kind of what his path was. So I'm glad you're able to uh, get some answers about that. Uh, look forward to reading it. As I said, the basketball men's basketball team got its first commitment for 2022. Doug McDaniel, Doug D U G. there you go not his not his real name uh nasir i think it's how you pronounce it it's k-n-a-s-i-r but he he goes by doug i don't know it was one of those things where like his was it his high school coach was like oh it's a a good story ask him it's really funny like he'll he'll tell you i don't want to tell you and then i ask him and he's just like oh you know that's what's just what my aunt called me and how she spelled it so that's why we did it it's like "Mm, all right well so uh yeah, he's from, uh, you know, he's from the DMV area, same conference, you know, high school conference that Hunter Dickinson and Terrence Williams played in. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's listed at 5'9", and his, his coach told me when, you know, we spoke for, you know, when he was being recruited, uh, you know, before his commitment back in, in in late April, that he's more like 5'11". But, I don't know, to me, he's playing in high-level basketball You know, both in his high school conference and on the AAU circuit. And he's getting the job done. So I don't know. I don't, to me, that's like not, not a huge deal. Obviously, it it matters a little more as you, you know, you move up to the college ranks. But yeah, he's the uh, number 85 player overall in the class, Uh, number 14 point guard is. AU coach with with team takeover, Keith Stevens, you know, he, he called him the best passer in, in high school basketball. Obviously, he's a little biased, but you know, he, just, he said he's fast and, and he's, he's athletic and he's just a great passer. His high school coach, Glenn Forello, said, you know, pass first point guard, but he can score. And he's just so fast with the ball in his hands. So, you know, they, they give positive reviews. You know, Michigan, they were going after other point guards. They had hosted, um, you know, two others during this, you know, this earlier this month, you know, Seth Trimble and Jaden Bradley, you know, Trimble was ranked 54 overall, Jaden Bradley 13 overall, and, and the second best point guard. But I don't know, like, you you don't want to get stuck with, with nobody, first of all. And I think it's also wrong to assume that Michigan, you know, valued those guys above McDaniel to begin with, like, you know, rankings are not the be all end all. I mean, they're, they're used initially to kind of create a list, but I don't know. I'll just, uh, as an example, last year, you know, nine centers coming out of high school were ranked above Hunter Dickinson you know, including a kid who, who went to Michigan State. And if you're like, wait, who was that at Michigan State? I'm like, exactly. Like, you know, th- there's a thing like Evan Mobley was a top-ranked center, okay? He's the only guy you can say like had a definitively had a better year, you know, than, than Dickinson. So, like, you know, these things, they're not, it's not an exact science. Um, and, you know, you want to get the right fit for your program. So, you know, Michigan now has a point guard. You would think they maybe wouldn't be so interested in those other guys that they had offered to as far as this would be... You've got um, Eli Brooks will not be on the team, you know, when Doug McDaniel comes in, you know, two seasons from now. And then you've got, you know, Frankie Collins, who will be a, a, a freshman on this team, you know, this this coming season. So, you know, you, you want to point guard probably in, in every class and, and Doug McDaniel is 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 their guy for Michigan. So. Yeah, just the the first one. Michigan, I'll remind you, has the number one recruiting class in the country coming in here for 2021. Uh, I'll have a, a big story about kind of how that class was assembled. Each guy coming and now looks like Friday morning. So be on the lookout for for that story. But Joan Howard and the staff already getting to work for 2022. Yeah, we've had I mean, there's other news as well. Just sort of generally speaking for college athletes, we can hit on real quick to close, which is the you know Supreme Court ruling unanimously nine zero against the NCA in a, you know, suit that is, it's a little confusing. Like there's kind of two parts to this, what they ruled on, what they were asked to rule on, which is, you know, the NCA can no longer enforce, you know, caps on ed- education related benefits for, you know, student athletes. So whether that be grad school scholarships or tutoring or, you know, internships, things like that. Yeah. They can't, they can't have caps on, on, on those for just because they're, they're student athletes. So that's what they ruled on. So it was, it was a victory there for, for the student athletes, the former student athletes that, that brought about that, that lawsuit, but kind of almost the, the bigger story was then, you know, one of the justices, Brett Kavanaugh writing a, you know, concurring opinion, you know, that is added on to the, you know, response from, from the court and just sort of blasting the NCA. I mean there's just so many like lines, you know, you can you can pull from this, but you know, the NCA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. The NCA is not above the law. Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. So You know, as far as antitrust law is concerned, that's that's really what this comes into. The NCAA wants exemptions and Supreme Court has made it very clear they're not going to get it. So it's basically like you won this one, you know, athletes feel free to file more because we are you know, we're
1: going to be on your side as far as these things go. To me, the door has basically been opened for Mm -hmm. for. More and more, I don't know if I'm going to call it pay or benefits for these student athletes. They're going to start getting more and more. And and look, that's the road that's kind of been heading here for the last couple of years with nil, the push for nil and and paying players and the like. Um, it's probably a good move. I will say, anytime folks can blast the NCAA, folks have no problem doing it. That seems to be the popular uh, you know action the last decade or so, and it's probably right rightfully deserved. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting next couple of years once NIL is kind of fully enacted and, and, and states kind of and schools kind of have their, their hands grasp of everything because look, we're still in the infancy of, of all this. It's still moving and there's still a lot of questions to be had, but the road has been paved here for athletes to, to acquire and, and get and, and be paid just and get more benefits here down the, down the road, which is, you know, you can make the argument whether players should be paid and, and whatever, but like. The reality is these these players make a lot of money for the NCAA, whether it's through the tournaments, championships, TV rights, distribution, etc. And they probably deserve at least, you know, a cut of it.
0: Right. I mean, once coaches started making, they're going into the millions and millions of dollars a year, five, six million dollars a year for the top guys. And, you know, the NCAA tournament worth billions and the college f- football playoff, billions, like, you know once those numbers became just astronomical, of course the players were going to want their piece as well. So Zaren alludes to NIL, of course, standing for name image likeness, the student athletes' ability to be compensated for for doing an endorsement or you know having ads on their, you know, Instagram page or, or things like that. That's where it's really that that's what people are more interested about. And that right now, at least, is a is, is a state by state issue. And in Michigan, for example, uh, it's law. It does have laws on the books. They won't take effect until December thirty first, twenty twenty two. So it's just best to say essentially twenty twenty three is when those are those are coming. Um, you know, in other states, California it could be as early as this year, and it's possible it could get pushed up in Michigan. You don't know, but that's where we're at right now with that. That's a state by state issue. There's no federal guidance on this. The NCA is is kind of lost trying to figure out what, what to do here. And they've dragged their feet for so long, but that's what student athletes are most interested in.
1: Um, it's important to point out the NCAA is pushing Congress for a federal law, NIL law, just to mm-hmm. try and make things consistent and across the board for the, for the entire country. And Congress hasn't, I mean, they've, they've held hearings and and they've, they've worked on things, but like, both sides of Congress are not on board with this at this point. So as of right now, you're going to have a handful of states enact NIL laws. I believe they start July 1, Florida and a couple other states in the yeah. South. And it's going, to, it's going to give them an inherent advantage, at least at the very beginning, But because you're going to have those schools in those states. They're going to say, hey, if you come here, you can do this stuff and make money and everything else. Whereas states like Michigan and others who either don't have an NIL law you know, passed or delayed, it's not going to start until the end of next year. They're they're going to be a disadvantage. So it, I think that's why NCAA is pushing for a across the board singular law, but at this point there's there's no sign of that happening. Now the, the NCAA is pushing schools to kind of do their own thing, and they're they're pushing states to pass things, but you, you can't force a state to do you know to do something. They got to decide it on their own. So it's going to be interesting next shoot next few months, I mean, once this football season gets going this fall. Absolutely, yes. Something to to monitor.
2: If I'm a head coach in one of the states that doesn't have any any laws on, on the books, I would be livid right now because I mean you're going to be facing yeah, like Aaron said, a severe disadvantage early on. Which it's 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 a slippery slope. I think we're we're entering here uh, come July 1st, and we'll see how it plays out. But it, it it could get messy. I think.
0: All right. Well, we'll be monitoring that, other recruiting news, and, and anything else related to the Wolverines. You'll read it on MLive.com slash Wolverines and hear about it here on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening.